from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Uh, at least one full hour of, of people getting up to the microphone and saying that they wanted the Civilian Oversight Board legislation because they wanted police to stop killing black people and particularly black men, young black men. The Civilian Oversight Board released a report that confirmed this as well, is that they estimated that there was about um, 3,000 complaints since 2016 that they haven't been able to see, and they've been able to see about 125. I'm Sarah Fenske. Both the Missouri Independent and St. Louis Public Radio published a new two-part investigation this week. In it, St. Louis journalist Rebecca Rivas digs into why activists in the St. Louis area moved from attempting to reform police departments to building a political movement that would instead take control of them. The investigation was a collaboration between the Missouri Independent and Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting. And joining us today to talk about it is writer Rebecca Rivas. Rebecca, Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me on the air. So your story was so revealing. It contains a paragraph that I think might startle even people who think they pay attention to local politics. Here's the paragraph. It says, following Michael Brown's shooting death in 2014, then-Governor Jay Nixon established the Ferguson Commission to study the underlying conditions that led to the uprising. Its People's Report ultimately laid out 189 recommendations for addressing systemic racism, from housing and economic injustices to a lack of police accountability. None of the police reforms have been fully put in place. Rebecca, none, not one of those reforms? Right. Yes. And I and I think Ford through Ferguson has been tracking that um, for several years. So Ford through Ferguson is the organization that has been tasked with making sure that that report isn't just put on the shelf somewhere that, um, you know, folks know that that it's still important that we address these concerns and that we include them in all of our uh, institutions, not just at City Hall, but um, all of the organizations in the city. Um, so, but regarding police reforms, um, there's some progress in some areas. I think the furthest along would be police training, mm. um, increased in police training hours, but everything else has really just gotten a little bit up there, but not the full, like, this is a successfully implemented reform. So it, so. it feels like there's been almost unprecedented energy towards this and, and public support towards it. Did the lack of significant progress strike you in a new way as you were working on this piece? You don't know. <laughs> it hasn't. <laughs> You've covered this so closely on the ground. I, I should I should stipulate yes. to that. Yes, yes. So, um, you know, before going to the Missouri Independent in this last fall, I had been working for the St. Louis American newspaper for 11 years. So I've um, been following this for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And um, I think kind of what, you know, when, when Reveal or the Center for Investigative Reporting came to me and asked to partner on this project, um, I, I kind of explained early on, I was like, well, yes, there hasn't been a lot of movement on police reform, but, you know, folks here really don't care about that that much anymore. <laughs> 
interesting. <laughs> You've kind of moved on. Um, <laughs> and so. that's what led to the the structure then that this story took, where you, you talked about, right. okay, the response has been, let's take control. Let's get the circuit attorney's office. Let's get the prosecuting attorney's office. Before, before we get into that, though, I want to want to touch on something that you dig into in this report in such an interesting way, something that, that I had missed. And that is a reform made in the city of St. Louis that sound, sounded so great to people when it went into place. And that was the, the Civilian Oversight Board that was created. How did activists hope that that would have worked at the time that, that this was passed? Right. Well, um, there's a meeting. And actually, the second part to these two stories that came out will be an hour-long show um, that will come out on Reveal's podcast on Saturday. And we actually play a good portion of this meeting. Hmm. It was in January 2015. Um, and it was kind of iconic. I think a lot of people in town may remember, you know, um, there was a scuffle um, uh, Jeff Rorta, who was the business manager and spokesman for the uh, St. Louis Police Officers Association, um, was accused of pushing a black female activist mm-hmm. and breaking her glasses. And, um, you know, so there was a there was a, a lot of energy in the room. And <laughs> but there was hours of uh, at least one full hour of, of people getting up to the microphone and saying that they wanted the civilian oversight board legislation because they wanted police to stop killing black people mm-hmm. and particularly black men, young black men. Um, so I think that was the hope. But um, as as my you know report shows, and there's a report that was just recently released too from the Civilian Oversight Board that it the 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 spirit of the law has not been implemented. Boy, that that's putting it mildly. I mean, your <laughs> your story just lays this out. Here's another quote from your piece. Since yeah. 2015, St. Louis police officers have shot 53 people, killing 27 of them, according to the police department. Yet the Civilian Oversight Board hasn't reviewed a single one of those cases, and the police department has withheld nearly all of the complaints it receives against officers, leaving the board unable to fulfill its basic function. You broke down how they were able to do that. Share that with us, that the mechanism that has allowed them to basically neuter this board. Right. Well, in the in the bill um, to establish the Civilian Oversight Board, it said that they would use this joint form. So say you want to complain, you know, that, that, that there was some kind of uh, mistreatment from the police. You go in, you get a form. Well, that was supposed to be the joint civilian complaint form that mm-hmm. you receive. And that would go to both the Civilian Oversight Board and to the police department. But instead, the police department was just using their own internal affairs form, which never goes to the Civilian Oversight Board. I think you could get that form that would go to the Civilian Oversight Board at the Civilian Oversight Board or on their website, but most people didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So they didn't know that their their complaint wasn't going to this board who could, one of the big things that they can do is sit in on the, the meetings where or the interviews where police um, ask people, you know, what happened, um, and and that's filed away in their complaint. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was. Um, I think we uh, um, not only. I mean, I looked at it, but also the Civilian Oversight Board released a report that confirmed this as well. Is that they estimated that there was about thirty uh, three thousand complaints since 2016 that they haven't been able to see, and they've been able to see about 125. 
So the fact that these forms are not ending up in the hands of people who may, be, may well be interested in them and then it doesn't get to this this board that everybody had mm-hmm. such high hopes for, is that something that could change under Mayor Tashara Jones? Yes. Um, and she's already made an effort to do that. Her first executive order was to to pretty much close that loophole. She mandated that the police department now use the civilian oversight complaint form. Hmm. Um, and she's also asked them to um, to go back and get all of the complaints since 2016 when the board would have begun operating and give those complaints to the public safety director and to her office so that they can review them. So the fact that we now have a new mayor, um, this is what could could fix this problem. And this is exactly what activists had in mind when they began to lose faith in this process. Um, you spent a lot of time talking to these activists. I know you've covered them over the years. Was there a breaking moment for them where they realized, hey, we're going to have to elect our own people. It does not make sense to continue to work within this system. Yeah, I think I, I too remember this. I remember going to this debate. Um, it was in 2016. It was when the um, circuit attorney's um, uh, seat opened up. And like right before that in the spring, they had been trying to get the body cameras, um, you know, in place. There had been a pilot program that 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 activists really were soured on because they felt like the police department wasn't being transparent enough about how they were implementing it and things like that. So, so you had that spring, and um, and also the um, the police union had filed um, a lawsuit to to keep the civilian oversight board from getting um, the officers' voluntary statements. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of things that they were, you know, they were kind of starting to see. Okay, <laughs> this isn't working. We need to switch gears. I would I would say that was around 2016, the summer, and they held. Uh, debate. Kayla Reed and Blake Strode, the executive director of Arch um, City Defenders, held this, moder- moderated this debate. Um, and there was, it was kind of a different kind of debate than I'd ever seen mm-hmm. since I'd been covering um, these elections for a while. Typically, you know, it's like a, a news station or, you know, uh, um, you know, League something of women like voters, right? <laughs> and um, this one, it was, it was, you know, young black. Um, activists, leaders um, leading this debate, and they were asking questions from the Ferguson Commission report. And then they also had people from other organizations stand up and ask questions. So the idea was to really give this sense that everybody was at the table and they were going to kind of come up with their own candidate um, out of this debate. And that's what they did. You know, Kim Gardner rose as the choice from that. And then everybody galvanized around that campaign. It, it was like the first start. It was like the loose, rough draft of what they would kind of start to um, formalize now with Action St. Louis and the coalition that they built since. Yeah, I mean, as you make clear in this story, this coalition didn't just propel Kim Gardner to power, but also worked on behalf of Wesley Bell, the prosecuting attorney in St. Louis County, uh, our new mayor, Tashara Jones, who's now enacting the very policies they wanted her to enact. Action St. Louis has become such a force in St. Louis politics, and I think it caught a lot of the old guard um, off balance. They were not expecting this. What has made them, and, and Kayla Reed, who you profile in this story, what has made her so effective? Um, you know, I would say just the way that they understand that they need to bring everybody together. Um, 
you know, I think that in um, the very end of the the story, Brittany Pack, Packnett Cunningham, who was um, a Ferguson Commission member, um, she also was a member on the president's um, uh, commission as well to look at these same issues. Mm-hmm. You know, she was saying that you have to engage the entire system and make it bend to your will instead of bend to it. And that's what Action St. Louis does so well. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there's there's just this sense that they needed to create a really strong community. Um, they needed to have people activated all of the time, not just every four years when an election comes out. They needed to engage people on all kinds of issues, you know, like the close the workhouse, cash bail, things like that. Just keep people constantly involved so that when local elections come around, it's not just like the Democratic Party knocking on doors for the first time since, you know, the last election. It's Mm -hmm. people are constantly engaged and they wanted it to be their own movement. That's kind of how she's explained it to me. So you also talked to Jay Schroeder. He's the president of the Police Officers Union. Um, and he told you that he's aware of the changing political landscape. Uh, his quote was, we have to get more active in the political scene in St. Louis City. There's going to be a bad situation with a policeman. It's going to happen. But we need to get our message out that you're talking about the smallest percentage of things. Do you think the union getting more active here uh, means having better messaging? Or maybe you referred to Jeff Roeder or earlier, uh, the general manager who's sort of the the face of that union, um, maybe a less divisive spokesman. Did, did he talk at all about what their efforts might look like to, to reclaim the narrative here? You know, I think he did talk about it. Um, and, you know, so I, I just want to clarify that I didn't sure. specifically um, interview him. Trey Bundy, who has been my um, partner on this project, who will you'll hear from in the radio piece. Um, he's the reveal reporter that I worked um, alongside with on this project. He interviewed um, Jay. But, um, yeah, in that interview, he did explain um, that, you know, um, Jeff Rota isn't isn't a bad guy. You know, he just kind of gets a bad reputation. (laughs) So they're sticking with (laughs) him. (laughs) It sounded like they were not going to lose him, Um, even though um, Trey did push, you know, saying that it it was creating a a divisive sense. You're asking, you know, if he felt that it it was creating this divisive sense that a lot of folks have said, including... Including um, the mayor. That's right. (laughs) I mean, she said she won't deal with him, but but they feel like he's their guy. Right. Yeah. I think that they just feel like he's a good guy underneath it all, though he does a couple bad things here and there. Um, it's not all that bad. <laughs> so I think I don't think he's going anywhere um, from from that conversation. So, Rebecca, your story, there's just so much great information in this. I want to encourage people to, to read this for themselves. They can find it on stlpr.org as well as uh, the website of the Missouri Independent. That's the new nonprofit uh, news site that Rebecca works for. And I should also hype here the audio version. You mentioned Reveal is doing a podcast version. That's also going to air on St. Louis Public Radio. It airs this Sunday at 5 p.m. and it airs again Monday at 8 p.m. So if you want to hear the audio version of this, we encourage that. But Rebecca, my clear sense by the end of your piece is that the police union here in the city is on the ropes. Should we count them out at this point? Well, so far, their candidates have not arose to the top um, in the last elections that they've tried to push um, for certain candidates. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, at the moment, I think that um, 
they would need to change significantly in how and how they operate right and also you know if they if they wanted to be um as as powerful as this younger um action st louis group and the coalition they formed then they would have to um get a little bit more in the community and on the ground specifically um canvassing and things Hmm. well it'll be interesting to see um if they if they make that comeback and i you know your story is just such important reading for anybody who wants to understand the lay of the land as it stands today so rebecca rebus thank you for joining us today thank you so much St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.